You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So today I want to speak about objectivity and subjectivity when one is appropriate and when the other is appropriate, especially in the context of this week's Parsha, of course, but even more than that, the month of Elul, the Jewish month of Elul, the month before Shana, where it's appropriate to do some introspection as to how we can improve over the course of the coming year. So I've always said that human objectivity is overrated. What I mean by that is that Humans, by nature, can never be truly objective. More important than that is that sometimes, many times, it's inappropriate to be completely objective or to try to be completely objective. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs has an interesting story that he writes about in one of his articles uh, about a uh, a Chinese citizen who was given great praise by the media, by society, for having been faced with a horrible choice of only being able to save uh, a Communist Party official or his own child from drowning, chose to save the party official. And he received tremendous praise for that. And Rabbi Sachs, in that article... Uh, points out that for most Westerners, that would be a, a difficult sell, not only a difficult sell in terms of the uh, ethics of the issue, but even more importantly in terms, on, on an emotional level, that um, in fact that this is the thing to do and that uh, we should praise such a person for uh, saving the party official over his child. Now, it's actually interesting. The, the, the example is one that uh, is not completely foreign to the Jewish uh, world of ethics, meaning that uh, why, while Rabbi Sachs is correct that emotionally we respond to that with uh, difficulty, nonetheless, in halacha also you have situations where we look at the importance of the person who we might save uh, vis-a-vis society, vis-a-vis Jewish society, in terms of their relative value, as is, as you probably, as many of you know, I'm sure, there's a pecking order in terms of what's called pidyon shvuim, in terms of uh, redeeming captives, Jewish captives, that uh, at the top of the level is the Talmud Chacham, is the Torah scholar, because his life is more important to the community than the life of just about anyone else. Uh, So therefore, here also, it's not so clear that family always takes precedence. Um, In fact, one of the most famous examples on, on a personal level is when the choice is between one's father and one's teacher, right? And again, intuitively, uh, most of us would think that uh, certainly one's father takes precedence, but the 
Jewish tradition rules otherwise, that uh, the assumption being, by the way, that the teacher is a lifelong teacher, what's called a Rav Muvahak, a um, specific teacher um, that has uh, developed the person into a Torah personality on their own, um, that such a person um, deserves more loyalty from the child than even his father. Um, so the, the, the comparison um, with the Chinese situation is not, or the contrast that Rice Sachs wants to make, is not completely in order. Um, on the other hand, um, the Jewish tradition does recognize family and communal loyalty in terms of the pecking order, not only in terms of pidyon shvui, shvui of, of redeeming captives, but also in terms of staka, in terms of uh, who do you give staka money to first, and certainly we're all familiar with the idea of anyech ircha kodem, that you have to take care of the poor in your community first, and that starts with an even smaller circle with one's own family. Um, incidentally, even in the case of Pidyon uh, Shvuyim that we spoke about, um, in terms of redeeming captives, that the, the teacher goes before the father, you, you'll notice it doesn't say um, any teacher, but specifically your teacher, meaning that the father would come before an anonymous teacher, even though that anonymous teacher would prov- presumably have more objective value to the community. In any case, though that's a uh, whole body of halakha which I'm only touching upon uh, somewhat superficially, uh, just to make the point of the uh, interplay of subjectivity and objectivity that uh, not only is subjectivity not uh, frowned upon, but even has a place within halachic decision-making in these cases. Um, on the other hand, objectivity has its place as well, um, specifically in decision-making. Uh, when the decision is between two parties, clearly they come to a beit din, to a court, and the court must try to uh, not prefer one over the other. There are uh, many interesting laws uh, concerning this um, that uh, that are involved in a traditional Jewish court of law to the point that uh, the clothing that uh, is worn by the litigants has to be similar and there's, there has to be very little distinction, as little distinction as possible between one litigant and the other such that there will be no favoritism that the judges will try to be as objective as possible and not to have these type of loyalties which naturally occur in a family or in a community um, and so on and so forth. Now, that's very nice about judging others who we don't know in a, in a community, uh, certainly in a large community, that's possible. One doesn't know everybody and, and ideally there are judges who will not know the litigants that come in front of them. Um, so as to come as close to objectivity as possible. What about 
the judgment that happens much more frequently than that, the judgment that occurs on a daily basis, in fact, probably on an hourly basis, and even more than that. Here I'm speaking about the judgment of ourselves, uh, meaning that we judge what decisions to make all the time. Granted, sometimes we ask rabbis, but many of the smaller decisions um, we don't feel a need to, and certainly there really isn't, otherwise rabbis would never have a, a minute spare to themselves. Uh, and moreover, the person themselves would not develop it. That's for another topic, the interplay, and the question of how and when should we consult with rabbis. Um, but um, there is a, an important issue here in terms of how do I feign objectivity about myself, right? Again, complete objectivity is not what we're looking for. When the Torah says, kamocha," should love your neighbor as yourself, it assumes, and not only assumes, but even approves of self-love. A person should love themselves and want their, their best interest. However, however, uh, in making decisions, one should be very careful not to look at it from a perspective of self-interest in, 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 in a negative sense. What I mean by that is what I will derive enjoyment or benefit from exclusively, but rather the question should be, what is the best thing for me all around? Um, all around usually includes a very heavy uh, spiritual component. Uh, really, that should be usually the dominant issue. What will be the best for me spiritually? By the way, as the Rambam points out, that this, this uh, issue extends even to such matters as sleeping and eating, that a person should ideally um, eat and sleep and uh, you know even enjoy a museum, whatever it is, for the sake of one's spiritual growth. Uh, but how does one come to a decision without, uh, you know, let's say, you know, just take a very crass example in terms of, uh, you know, a, a chocolate cake that uh, will, uh, you know, we're able to eat the whole cake if we want, um, but we know the consequences of that, certainly long-term or bad, but even short-term. Um, if this is on Shabbat and I have a Havru time, I have a learning session, um, and having lots of cake will uh, make me drowsy and put me to sleep. Um, so I will uh, need to make a decision uh, as to what is uh, more important. How much cake can I eat with not, without being affected for the Havruta? Or do I say, well, you know, it's owning Shabbat, I'm enjoying the cake, uh, and therefore I'm serving God in that way. Uh, which is not completely out of the question, but the point being, and this is what I speak about in this week's uh, written Dvar Torah, uh, the point being, to what extent am I bribing myself with the pleasure that I will get from eating the cake, regardless of the mitzvah involved, that really my concern is only for my enjoyment, having nothing to do with the spiritual benefit that may in fact actually result from eating the, uh, a nice cake on Shabbat, or any time for that matter. So that issue of objectivity about ourselves is a tremendously important one, 
to ponder and to think about over the course of this month of Elul. Um, the Mishnah Pirkei Avot has an important piece of advice about that in terms of how to circumvent it. Um, it says, Selech HaRav, right, which we mentioned already, you should have a rabbi, a teacher, a spiritual mentor, who will guide you with the more important decisions or more difficult decisions that are beyond your expertise. Um, however, uh, the second part of that statement is you should also acquire for yourself a friend. And uh, if you look in the commentary of Rabbeinu Yona on Pirkei Avot, he actually stresses how the friend is really the person who is going to help you with your objectivity about yourself. Um, the, the smaller things which make up the fabric of life should be uh, discussed with a friend regardless of whether they are uh, superior to and Torah knowledge or not, the idea is to make a connection with someone <clears throat> who is a decent uh, human being, obviously, um, and obviously has some background in Torah, um, and is able to understand you. Um, such, a, uh, such a friend is, is a very important asset in a person's life. Again, I refer you back to Rabbeinu Yonah, Pirkei Avot, who discusses this at length. Um, what do you do if you can't? Not everybody has access to such a friend, right? It's a good thing to do. Certainly, uh, a good resolution is to try to create such a friendship. We're not talking about <clears throat> friends on Facebook. We're not talking about superficial friends. We're talking about one or two <clears throat> very close friends with whom one can discuss uh, many, many things who will be able to proffer advice from a more objective perspective. In other words, that person doesn't care, is not going to taste the cake. If you ask him whether you should eat the, how much cake you should eat, um, or, and, and whether perhaps the enjoyment of the cake might be more important than their learning session after it, right? He's not going to be bribed by the taste of the cake, so it's very important to um, have such a person and consult with them. By the way, that person can, can even be a spouse. Can be, but need not be in some cases, and many cases that will complicate the spousal relationship, and it's better not to, um, to involve one's spouse in that situation. In other situations, it works fine, so that has to be uh, assessed on a case-by-case basis. In fact, that's a, a good thing to uh, to speak to a spiritual counselor or a friend about as well. So what happens if you can't find such a person, at least for the time being? So the point that is to be remembered is that one, in making one's own decision, cannot trust oneself completely. Um, it's important to second-guess oneself perhaps even third-guess oneself, though I would add not to fourth-guess oneself. What I mean by that is that one has to proceed through life with resolution, with making decisions, um, and following through with them, that ultimately one cannot sit on the fence. 
and even a bad decision is sometimes better than no decision. Sometimes, I say. Um, however, what's uh, important is not to become uh, uh, indecisive to a point that it becomes a sickness. On the other hand, one should be introspective, and by that, here in this case, I mean to uh, not quickly make decisions and second-guess oneself. Forget about the third guess, but certainly second-guess oneself in the sense that one has to always be aware that whatever decision one makes about the self um, is tainted with too much, uh, too high a level of subjectivity. So with that in mind, I wish you a uh, productive month of Elul. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 